0: boxer too he's fighting uh, Terry samanus from from down in Melbourne I think that's how you say Terry's yeah, name you got and, it. and that's 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 promising to be a very exciting bout because uh, Terry's uh, Terry's right up there in the top class mm. and uh, even though uh, Liam has been fighting international opponents his, his last few outings uh, you know Terry's as good as any of the guys from overseas so that's going to be a very interesting little gauge to where uh, we Liam Parra's going it's
1: a great fight that one
0: yeah yeah so they're the two main things Happening up here, and of course the big fight uh, that's going to capture Australia's uh, imagination for a while is uh, Tim Zou against Dennis Hogan. Mm. Uh, that's coming up down in Sydney. Dennis Hogan is going to be the underdog, but gee, Dennis is a very good fighter. I, I, I went to Mexico to see him fight uh, yeah. Jaime Mongoya, yeah. and he was pretty stiff not to get the decision there. It was a close fight; it wasn't. Um, it wasn't um, one side of a lot of uh, Dennis's. Yeah, that's
1: Dennis's another...
0: supporters thought. I thought that he'd flogged behind him I thought it was a close fight, but he, he could have easily got the decision there and, and been, been the world champion. He, he got, um, he got a, a bit of a touch-up from Charlo in his next fight, but that was at middleweight, and yeah. Charlo's a big guy, a lot bigger than Tim Zhu, so don't write Dennis off in this nah. fight. I think he's got a very, very good chance to cause an upset. It's going to be hard for him to win the decision, though, because Dennis uh, isn't a noted puncher. He hasn't got a lot of knockouts on his record. Uh, he does have a very, very high work rate and awkward style, and he's tough and very, very confident and believes in himself. But I think it's going to, it'll most likely go the distance. And I think Kim Zhu, uh, given all the support for him and uh, just the way his career is on the rise, I think he's going to be hard to beat for a decision.
1: Mm, um, yeah, yeah. Th- another good fight. Uh, Zarafa and Mundine, what's your thoughts on that?
0: Oh, well, I just wish Mundine wasn't doing it. I know he keeps saying he wants to, you know, he's got one more fight in him. He's been saying that for the last five years. I Look, mean, you... If if Zarafa only goes half pace, he's going to win. You know, he's probably going to stop him. I hate to say it, because. You know, I've had my issues with with Anthony over the last twenty twenty five years or whatever. You know, mm. uh, he used to call me the Spitbucket Boy. This <laughs> <Did he? laughs> is A bit of <laughs> a bit of uh-huh. put down to which to which Johnny Lewis returned. I was never spit bucket. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> but That's... but regardless of that, you know, like um, and all the things, all the controversial things he said. I think he's been a a great um, a, a great boxer and obviously a great rugby league player before that. But even even greater boxer and a world champion. And he's uh, probably the greatest all-round sportsman we've ever had yeah. or at least certainly one of them to go from top class rugby league to, to win a world boxing title yeah. so you know um, I, I just hate to see him still in the game because the is, <laughs> is a very good fighter very very good Zaraf and Tim Zhu you know uh, that'd be a, a real great match up too
1: yeah that that's that might happen who knows spit buckets now nothing up we've holding a spit bucket Grant come <laughs> nah, on no nah, that's all right now we're going to go we're going to go in we're going go to go along that path Um yeah how did, you, how did the love for boxing get started with Grant Lee Keezer?
0: Uh, well, I guess um, when I was about seven years old, I suppose, uh, the local barber in Brisbane where I, was, where I grew up, he had uh, on his wall, as I suppose many old-timers did in those days, he had a, a picture on the wall, a little portrait of Johnny Famichon with his world championship yeah. belt. And I was always intrigued who this guy was on the, on the wall. And I remember my brother and I watching late night um, on T V um Johnny Famichon against Fighting Harada in Tokyo and uh, it was a it was a great fight and Johnny Famichon got him out right at the end of the um at the end of the fight, and dropped him through the ropes and my brother was terribly excited about this, you know, and uh, this, this was a great Australian champion and it wasn't all you know, it's quite amazing. It wasn't all that long after World War two when you put it into perspective. Yeah. From nineteen forty five to nineteen sixty nine, it's like going back from now to the late nineteen nineties in our time. So it wasn't really that long ago, it was within living memory of, of World War Two for so many people, yeah, yeah. and uh, it was a very, very exciting, exciting moment. And then, of course, not long after that was the rise of Muhammad Ali. And mm. whatever you say about Muhammad Ali, he was uh, such a charismatic character, and he uh, he had infectious personality. And you just had to watch his watch his fights. You know, you just had to watch those battles with Joe Frazier. And so that's where the love of it started. Yeah. I started doing a little bit of boxing training at the. At the local police club and um just yeah, went from right. there when when i went yeah. to sydney i was mm. uh working as a reporter on the daily telegraph in, in sydney um i was there for about 25 years and wow. uh, not, not long after i got there uh i uh, i met johnny lewis and um i started training at his gym with with an idea to doing some boxing but i wasn't you know i didn't really have the talent or the ticker for it really being honest um but i, I was still training there yeah. and um Johnny had a young kid called Jeff Fennick, and uh, another youngster called Peter Matrevesky, and yeah. I became great friends with those guys. Yeah. and and from that, Johnny said, "Look, um, I, I really need a, a, an assistant in the gym just to help me with the boys mm-hmm. on fight night." And uh, and help with their training yeah. and whatever, you know, I'd, I'd love you to do it. So that's that's what I did for the next few years, and I became Johnny's right hand man. And, and I have to say right off the bat, just about everything I know about boxing came from Johnny yeah. Lewis and, and our great friend Ray Wheatley. They taught me everything that I know about boxing, really.
1: Yeah, well, yeah, Ray Wheatley's been my mentor on this radio, mate. He gives me uh, a, a score out of 10 after each show. <laughs> He's a great man. He sure is. Yeah. Now, my older brother's seen you hitting a bag at... Uh, I <laughs> over a show years ago at that gym called Hot Bods, and he reckons yeah. he had a good left hook.
0: Well, mate, what, what I used to do, if I saw anybody watching me, I'd put on an extra skirt. <laughs> when they weren't watching, I was there huffing and puffing, all red-faced and sweaty. But when if I saw, especially if there were, I used to, a, a guy used to say that up here, a guy called Big Wad Christensen, who was a heavyweight fighter up in yeah. Brisbane, I used to train at the gym up here sometimes where he was, and he used to say, it's funny, Grant, you always seem to go really well when the girl class is on.
1: Ah, <laughs> <laughs> oh, you're funny. Okay, what was it like being a second to some of Jeff Fennick's biggest fights? Please tell us about some of oh, memories man. that stand out. Being in Jeff's corner with Johnny would have been I mean,
0: a honestly, roller coaster ride, mate. You couldn't you couldn't buy those those yeah. experiences. I remember the night that he beat Shingaki. I knew just how much work he put into that, and how how much it meant to those guys. You know, they'd be so, on such an emotional high and to see him beat um, Chingaki that night, it was just all our dreams come true because this this kid who started with nothing, who who wasn't from a boxing background or anything, who, you know, just through sheer hard hard work and, and, and just absolute grit and courage, rose through the ranks and probably the proudest moment I, I reckon that uh, Johnny Lewis would say that he ever had with, with Jeff and probably me too, is when he got selected for the Olympic team because that's <coughs> in those days that's all Johnny's focus was he was an amateur boxing coach and his dream was to take a kid to the Olympic Games the absolute pinnacle of sport and when Jeff Bennett got selected that was I remember Johnny rang me up and he was in tears he was so happy and and I, I just felt exactly the same and I remember the night that Jeff Got beaten. Uh, well, he lost a fight on a, a very controversial, what they call the jury decision. He actually won the fight, and then an international I remember. jury overturned it against I remember. a guy called Red, Zip, Red Zipovsky. Yeah. And, and Johnny rang me about four o'clock, and he was just absolutely just gutted, you mm. know, like he was so heartbroken because Jeff was on his way to winning the gold medal. Yeah. And only two years, like his, his career was extraordinary. As, mm. as Johnny says, we'll never probably ever see anyone do the things that Jeff did mm. in his career. Only two years after that, he then fights the Olympic gold medalist, Steve McCrory,
1: was the entertainment that night?
0: center, Paul Moore, the referee, and, and uh, Jeffy. He, he rode some big shots early in the fight.
1: Had yeah.
0: his, he had a lot of trouble making the weight, you know, trying mm. to get down to bantamweight. weight. He was just skin and bone. He rode some big shots but he just the, the, the courage and the tenacity
1: yeah. and the drive of the guy was just he incredible. Was, it was. One of, you know, I love, yeah. the thing I love about Jeff Fenwick, it wouldn't you matter if you're an amateur fighter, <laughs> and I've said this before, he's heard me say to main event, he just box you, you go down there, I was an amateur, yeah, jump yeah. in, I'll box you. He boxed any, yeah. everybody, these guys are the today, some, some of them think they're prima donnas, I've won this title, oh. like you can't box me now, but Jeff, mate, he helped everybody up, you know jump in with me and let's go and he did that all the time I boxed him as an amateur and said so it a hell of a lot of fighters and when I went back as a pro he went harder and harder it was great you knew and where he would s-
0: show you things too yeah I mean, he, he, yeah he, you know after the throwing you say you're doing this you're doing that you should be doing this you should be doing that you know like a lot of a lot of fighters uh they, they get a bit of an ego about them and they'll only box like you know, high standards but, and, and they won't deal with any
1: others. But he was he's very much a man of the people, Jeff. That's he why everyone sure, loved him. He sure he sure was. Now that Steve McCaury fight, I was there that night and I remember the song he come out there, McCaury. He was doing a jive, he was doing the moonwalk. <laughs> when they're going gets tough, i now yeah. this, the tough gets going Billy Ocean and yep. geez a tough got going for him all right when he jumped in because he <laughs> I thought Jeff batted him for the whole was it ten? Twelve rounds, it? Yeah, no, no, no. I
0: think it was I think it was the fourteenth he finally stopped him stopped and four me up. Yeah. McCrory was just out on his legs, you know. He was just, nah. just, just had it, yeah. yeah.
1: Okay, the Marcos Valenza fight you were missing. What happened there? Well,
0: Where was happened, Grant Lee at um, that night? Well, I was doing the commentary for Sky Channel ah, that
1: night. Ah, okay. Yeah, yeah, what a yeah, fight yeah, that, that was. Peter
0: Peters. That yeah. was, it was terrific. Um, uh, very, very underrated fight of Illusana. You know, um, he'd fought oh. all these world champions he and uh, he'd, he'd done terrific against all of them. And uh, he, he did, he stayed the distance with Jeff but you know i and I still say this it's uh thirty thirty two thirty three years ago yeah. that fight i don't think I've ever seen a sadder face in, in my life than yeah. after the fight with with uh, villasana listening to the decision i don't think he i don't think he got around, but for twelve rounds he just crazy he did. with Jeff and just got pummeled
1: oh, just got yeah back. he got pummeled alright what a fight it was non-stop non-stop action from start to finish wasn't it
0: it's what, it's what you call a hiding to nothing because he just got yeah. hiding every round he sure was, did You know, nothing to gain for him he, he, he could have quit in the first round but he just toughed it out for, mm. for the whole fight and um and yeah unbelievable
1: and that fight Jeff shared that fight or someone did uh, just the other week and I'll see a good fight like that and I'll share it straight away to my neutral corner page because hey John McColl summed Jeff Fennick up in one word two words I said he said watching a Jeff Fennick fight you're on the edge of your seat from the start to the finish and he's he's dead set right yeah all go okay you're also a corner man for joe bugner's big fight in england against <laughs> frank bruno even though bugner was stopped in the eighth it was a huge Thank fight you. in england what were your memories of that fight grant
0: well i tell you i didn't always get on with joe early on I, I, I didn't, <laughs> well I, i've sort of had a love not, not hate but uh, you know i had controversial things you know with lots of fighters even with jeff we fell out for, a, yeah. for quite a long time over personal things and with joe uh, you know, being a, being a journalist, I used to tread a fairly fine line because I, I wanted to be honest, but I also didn't want to really offend my friend. Yeah. And I found myself covering Jeff's career, and uh, he wasn't happy with a lot of things that I wrote, and hence, um, hence we had a bit of a fallout there that lasted a, a few years. But with, with Joe, it was pretty much the same thing. I I, um, I was very critical of his uh, his, his first couple of fights in Australia, and that, you know, like, a, we were being sold a Dud and whatever, but in the end, um, I realised that Joe was a very, very sincere, earnest guy, just trying to make a quid like everyone else, yeah. and I was in his, I was in his corner, for, the first time that I was in his corner was against Greg Page, the former WBC oh, World remember. Heavyweight yeah. champ, and that was, uh, that was at the Sydney Entertainment Centre, and, and Joe was tr- tremendous, you know, Joe... Um, Joe was years and years past his best. He was 36 or 37 at mm. that stage, years past his best, but he just gave Greg Page, He was a good fighter. He was, at the time, Tyson's main sparring partner as well. He just he bamboozled and battered him. It was a great yeah. performance. by. Um, <laughs> it, was, it, was, it was funny, you know, because uh, only a few days before, I'd been in Greg Page's um, uh, hotel with his... They had a big, huge suite on the... The old gazebo hotel, right overlooking Sydney Harbour, it was absolutely magnificent. A big limousine. They wanted the, they really wanted the first class treatment, and Paige was, uh, Paige was like treating himself as royalty up but there. He really was, you know. Like, uh, yeah. so I went up there and, re- and was reporting. And the next thing, he had a, his trainer's name was Richie Giacchetti, who also trained Tyson for a while, and he was a mafioso from, um, from Chicago. He was a pretty, um, a pretty heavy dude over there. Yeah. He'd done time for arson and assaults and all sorts of things. Anyway, I, uh, I was interviewing them, and the next, then, next time they saw me, I was in Joe Buckner's corner, and Richie Ghiacetti was looking at me like, what's, what's all this about? And, and halfway through the fight, he, he started protesting to the referee about things that Joe was doing, and I jumped into the ring. I'd only been interviewing him a few days before, was sort of in a friendly way, and I was yelling at him, Get that yeah. fat <laughs> <laughs> out of the ring. Get that fat Nopponpon out of the ring. <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad they didn't come looking for me after the fight. I was All very right. fortunate. Uh, but Joe won that fight really well. Yeah. And then the next thing, uh, we were heading over to uh, the UK to fight. Uh, he, well, he was fighting Frank Bruno at White Hart Lane, which is mm-hmm. a big old soccer stadium. It's since been uh, knocked down and, and redone, but it's the home ground for Tottenham Hotspur. And um, Joe, uh, Joe was very underprepared. He really only had about... Three weeks to get ready for that fight. Yeah. What happened was uh, a guy called Barry Hearn, whose son is now the, the big promoter, uh, Eddie Hearn. Barry Hearn in those days was a big snooker promoter, which snooker was a huge game in the 1980s, very, very big on television, and he was he had the rights to all the big tournaments. But Barry decided he wanted to do boxing. Frank Bruno was the big star, and uh, he knew that Joe Bugner. Uh, Joe was extremely, for whatever reasons, unpopular in the UK because he'd beaten Henry Cooper, who was a national icon mm-hmm. a few years before... So they knew that a fight between Joe, the villain, and uh, Frank Bruno, who was enormously well-loved over there, would do great business. But they had to put it on at least by the end of October because winter was coming. It had to be an outdoor fight for the ticket sales. Winter was coming, so they had to put it on before October. So Barry Hearn rang Joe from a Chinese restaurant in London and said, Joe, I've I've got an offer for you to fight Frank Bruno. And Joe's got quite a high voice and quite posh, and he goes, he says... Barry, I'm not at all interested. And, and um, Barry says, Joe, I'll give you £250,000. And Joe says, when would you like me there, Barry? <laughs> <laughs> so £250,000 is like about five, five or six million bucks yeah. in today's money. It's a yeah. lot of money.
1: Wow. So wow. that was
0: only three weeks before the fight. And uh, Joe came up to Jimmy and said, Johnny, um, we're going to London to fight Frank Bruno. So he only had three weeks to, to get ready. Uh, Jeff, I think, was fighting Carlos Zarate at the same time, so Johnny had to stay uh, with me in Sydney until only about five days before the fight, I think, mm-hmm. and Joe went to London with Brian Wilmot, another corner oh, yeah. man, and, and, and Brian put him through punches and supervised the sparring in the, in the yeah. lead-up. So, Great so guy. Joe was pretty underdone, but gee, he put on a, he put a great a, performance. The, he, the joint was packed. It he was had done. a dig,
1: didn't he? I remember the fight, mate. Yeah. yeah. okay. He was, he
0: was determined to really have a go. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah mate. Be, what's he been in with Ali twice and Frazier twice? Twice each, yeah?
0: Yeah, no, well, yeah. Frazier once, but he, he, the fight with Frazier was really toe-to-toe. I mean, yeah. he nearly dropped, dropped Frazier. Frazier had him down. It was just all go for Mooner and he went the distance twice with Ali. So yeah, you know, that's right. So, full, 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 credentials.
1: Okay, what's your memories of your Sky Channel comment comment commentating days? You and Peter Peters were a good team, mate. What's, what's some of the fights that stand out? What's some good memories?
0: Oh well, we covered lots of lots of great you fights. Sure uh, did. That, that lasted for two or three years. It was it was terrific. And the interesting thing, we go to all parts of um, Australia too. I remember doing fights down in in Canberra. Or Renato Cornette and Craig T V and those kind of mm-hmm. guys. Uh, I remember Mike the Bounty Hunter, yeah. the Ocasio. We did that him. fight and. Mike Hunter's son's now a are, are very highly ranked heavyweight, so he's going really well. Yeah. Um he fought a draw with Pavetkin, so yeah, so that that's, yeah. that's and Mike 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 Hunter beat Jimmy Thunder, which was uh, his first first big win down in the, uh, mm. in this part of the world. So that was a that was a, a great effort, yeah. But uh, it was interesting you're talking about before about being in Joe's corner. I was also in um Jeff Hitman Harding's corner for the first parts of,
1: yeah, of yeah. his
0: career. Tell us about um, some
1: other fighters, yeah, sorry, yeah.
0: Yeah, yeah. So, so that that was uh, that was great. I was in his corner right up until he fought for the world title, and then I went over and covered the world title um, uh, for different magazines and Aussie papers. That was in Atlantic City, and the promoter was a guy named Donald Trump, if you can believe that. Yeah, unbelievable. Yeah, Yeah. yeah, incredible. But um, you know, one of the one of the great moments um for for me, and I'm eternally grateful to our friend Lovemore and Doe, who had me in the corner when he fought a a fairly little-known Mexican fighter called Canelo Alvarez. Yeah, Veracruz <laughs> wow. Yeah, Veracruz in, uh, on the Gulf of Mexico. And I tell you, Canelo is regarded as the best foreign fighter yeah. in the world at the moment. Yeah. Lovemore yeah. gave him all the fight. He won at the 12 yeah. rounds. He, he never really looked like winning the fight for Lovemore, but he kept Canelo on his toes the whole time. You know, he was busy with that jab at his, great defense. Uh, Lovemore was trained for that fight by his old coach in South Africa, Harold Volbrecht, yeah. And Harold did a real good job and, Gee, you know, Lovemore covered himself in glory that night. Uh, yeah. I, I said to him at the end of the fight, mate, I'm, I'm just so proud to be your friend. What you just did tonight was just incredible. Yeah. And wow. and as soon as the fight was over, Oscar De La Hoya, who was the promoter, came over and he said, man, Azuma Nelson, Ike Corte, great African fighters, you're right up there with them. That was one of the best performances I've ever seen from yeah. an African boxer. Wow. And it really was. He yeah. covered himself with glory, Lovemore. So if you need someone to fight for you, Love more lawyers than
1: the one. He'll come back.
0: He'll, 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 he'll do a great job. But I've, I've been in other corners too. Um, big Bob Miravik against the seven-foot Russian. Um, yeah. The guy that won the World heavyweight anyway. total, big, enormous bloke. I, I, was
1: he, having my, I was having my last fight in 97 and the big Russian was on, on the on the undercar. Yeah. Yeah, he fought yeah, a little free Oh, man, it was ridiculous. <laughs> <laughs> Mate, let's go into your journalism. Um, you've been known as a journalist who does not pull his punches, but... Tell it as it is. You've been the leading boxing journalist in the country, but unfortunately, it has led to a few boxing f- feuds. We were just talking about that, yeah. Yeah.
0: Well, I've had a few of those, you know, and uh, yeah. some, some, you know, like I've patched up a lot, but some have been a bit unsavory. You know, people threatening yeah. me, and you know, um, yeah. Over, over the years, you know, you, you can't you can't really be a be a, a journalist and cover cover sports um, accurately and fairly without you know, offending people because yeah. some people perform badly and if you write it, well, they didn't <laughs> see it that
1: way and they get very upset, yeah. sadly. So okay, yeah. you've published two great books on the history of Australian boxing. I've got that at home on my bookshelf. Both oh, books do on, our proud, our sport proud and have captured the history of future generations you enjoy. Did you anticipate to an extent this historical significance that these books would come to have you, you written with them? You know, did you well, realise they were going to well sell that, well? They,
0: yeah, I, I I knew that they'd always have a niche market because boxing fans are tremendously, tremendously passionate. And even though, you know, probably the modern generation really doesn't know too much about the no. greats of the past, like the Vic Patrick's and the Fred Henneberries and the, you know, and the, the Ron Richards and, and, and those kind of guys, George Barnes, those kind of fighters, you know, like um, I, I just think that they deserve to be covered because in their days they were, they, they truly were great uh, Australian sporting heroes. It, it's, it's only a generation or two ago, really, that, that boxing was the biggest sport in Australia. You know, like Rugby League and Aussie Rules yeah. was taken over now. But, you know, I used to go through the old papers for, for those books. And, um, yeah. you know, boxing was regularly, even just uh, national title fights, even sometimes state title fights, would be the, the big back-page story on the major papers. And, and like the Rugby League competition, yeah. you know... Um, you know, east versus west, or east versus north, or whatever—that'd that, be like a single column on the inside page. Yeah, you know?
1: true, true.
0: Boxing was huge, and 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 the sporting stars of those days—they were really, really great heroes. They were very, very popular.
1: Okay, your first out biography was on Jeff Fennick. It was a brilliant book capturing Jeff Fenech at his peak as a champion, and the larcen side that the public does not see. Have you ever thought about doing a follow up on Jeff to cover his whole well, boxing career?
0: Well yeah at, at some stage we, we 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 might even do that I know yeah. it's very routine but yeah. sometimes emotions get the better of people too you know they want to settle scores and things like that and uh, you know like I've I've never sort of really been into that kind yeah. of kind of thing mm-hmm. I, you know I just often I like to write things from a distance you know as an yeah. observer rather than sure. being mixed up in a story you know I wrote Jeff Horn's book as well and that, yeah. was, that was great I just tried to capture the enthusiasm yeah. and the the success that he had against Pacquiao because it was such an unbelievably uh unique event it was tremendous anyone that was there that day was just blown away by the crowd and by the excitement mm. and by the uh, the performance of this little underdog against a, a great icon of world sport
1: and that was another brilliant book you wrote there too now what's this latest book you've you've just you've just completed
0: oh well i've written a book about uh, joseph banks which is yeah. uh, the, the botanist who financed the endeavor voyage with uh, captain cook the first Europeans to set foot on the east coast of right. australia so that's that's coming out but you know, I've always had in, in mind doing a biography of the great Ron Richards who had such wow. a sad and tragic what? life and um, yeah. I'd, I'd love to do it. It's just a matter of getting time because I've always got like, other projects on the go. But, um, yeah, you, you know, I went to Palm Island which is uh, right up in North Queensland. It looks like a tropical paradise but for, for years and years it was virtually a prison camp for um, Aboriginal people who were deemed troublesome yeah. by the authorities and Ron Richards was packed off there for 17 years. He lived on Palm Island. Didn't you know, it was yeah. quite... Um, Quite amazing. He was virtually a prisoner of the government for 17 years.
1: Yeah. yeah. geez, my old trainer used to rave. What a great fighter. What a great right oh. hand he had.
0: You know, He's... I used to know uh, Ern McQuillan and, and, and his son Ern Junior and, 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 of course, trained Ron Richards and Big Patrick, and they'd just say, you know, like, the power of the guy. used to throw that right hand. It was just a, the perfect mm. punch. Yeah.
1: Well, look, Rand, it's been great having you on once again, mate.
0: Nice pleasure always, Paul. Uh, Anytime, buddy.
1: Champion. Thanks for coming in, mate. That was a a good interview. Interesting, mate, how you got involved in boxing and uh, how you hit the bag harder when the girls' (laughs) aerobics class is on. That's a beauty. (laughs) And, mate, may I just say, many of good men have carried that spit bucket, mate, so there you go. Good
0: idea,
1: mate. I hope hope Ray Weasley gives you a 10 out of 10 for this one. I hope so. He's listening. Uh, Thanks a lot, Grant Lee, for coming on, buddy.
0: Good on you, champion. Take care, Paul. Thanks, thanks. thanks to you and all, all your listeners. Good on you, buddy.
1: Thanks a lot, buddy. Bye for now.
0: Bye. Bye.